What's up, what's up? Welcome to this first episode of Ask Psychomax. I am psyched to actually introduce this new format to you today as part of the Psychomax podcast. The podcast is for you and obviously I have tremendous benefits from it because I get to talk to all these smart and charismatic people. But I do this in order to provide you with value. This podcast is so for you. Hence, and in order to actually elevate you as listeners, because there's one more coming of you, and I really highly appreciate it, and I'm flattered that, yeah, we're, we're, we have several thousand streams now, and it's really cool, so something's happening there. Um, but I, I want to I do this for you, so I, I want to provide you with value so that you get better in your science, science communication endeavors, if that's what you want. And you'll hear in a second as well, I will also argue that not everyone has to be a science communicator, but the ones who want to be science communicators or want to get better at it, you are really welcome to be here. Having said that, I think that there's a lot of questions, there's a lot of um, insecurities, there's a lot of things that maybe you people are struggling with, and I want to give you the opportunity to actually have your voices and your questions on this podcast as well. It's not a one-man show. It's actually for you, by you, you know. And for that reason, I asked a bit around uh, on LinkedIn and four members of the audience actually responded and sent me audio files with their questions. And these are Heba, Lucas, there's Simon, and then there's Gianluigi. It's these four people that actually sent questions. And the concept is as follows. You will hear the questions of these four people and then I will answer these questions because this new format is called Ask Psychomax and uh, so these questions shall be uh, asked, uh, shall be answered. And if you are interested in them, then you've, in these people, in these four, then you will also find their social media accounts in the show notes. So if you are thinking about that they are worth following or that the stuff that they do, um, yeah, is interesting to you. And you will, they will also mostly say, um, what they're actually doing in their day-to-day -day life and uh, yeah so and if you want that your question is also being answered here on the Psychomax show uh, on the podcast then please send me a message with your audio file to julius at psychomax.com and Psychomax you, when you spell it you spell it only with one m I'm not sure if it was super clever to call Psychomax Psychomax with one m and not Psychomax with two m's um, because I already see that people the tweet about the podcast and yeah tweet it in a way that you would normally write psychcom with double m but i didn't do that i don't know if it was clever but so if you send me an email just write it to julius at psychomax with one m dot com and um, then your question will also be on another episode of the science communication accelerator podcast in some weeks all right then let's get this started we start with heba here we go Hi Julius, um, my name is Heba and I'm from Egypt. I'm a science communicator. I'm really enjoying your podcast and I have a question for you. How did you choose podcast as the right format for the content you wanted to share? Um, how can any of us choose the format? Why not YouTube or Facebook Live? Um, what is the criteria um, so we can choose the right format for the content we want to develop? Thank you. Hi, Heba. Thanks for this awesome question. It's a very, very valid question. We all, when we start our science communication career, if you might call it like that, obviously we wonder what is the best thing to do. And, I, you know, there's four different ways of how you can put out content. And that is written, that's audio, that's video. And then the fourth one is like pictures or graphic, graphics. And 
the question really is what comes naturally out of you. What are you best at? You know, you know me, I like to talk and I'm like always out, out there and loud maybe sometimes. But that's why for me, the best way of creating content is probably podcasting. And that's why I run this podcast and I run two other podcasts. So the first question that I would ask you is, what do you enjoy the most? Heba, if it is about you, do you enjoy writing? Do you enjoy podcasting, like talking? Do you enjoy making videos? Or do you enjoy making fancy, cool infographics? And then you should decide what's the what format is the one that you feel most comfortable with. And then that is a very like internal approach of like you yourself. But the question is also whom do you want to uh, whom do you want to reach? And that's that. I think that question I feel comes up in every second or every third episode that that I produce for the Psycho Max podcast. And that is really like who's your target group? And then the question is, this target group that you have, how do they consume content? Do they like to read it? Do they like to listen to it? Do they like to watch it? Or do they like to look at graphics and video uh, photos? So you have either this approach of thinking what you feel good with and what you're good at or to really think about what your target group is good at or uh, how do they how they like to uh, consume your content and then the magic is uh, to match that and if if you like writing and they like reading that's awesome and <laughs> the same goes obviously for the other three formats obviously it gets a bit harder when you realize they like videos and you're not so good at great at videos but i'm sure that you'll find uh, a solution to that and then obviously it depends a bit on where you want to share it because you know if you write a text you can post it on facebook you can also post it partly on instagram you can post yeah a little bit of it you can post uh, on twitter when you have it for example on a on a uh, on a blog post that you then link on twitter you could also write it on linkedin so you know there's many ways of you can have how you can make the content available to your target group but the question is again where do you think that your content uh, your target group is hanging out and if they're if they're more business people then you should go to linkedin and if there's more if there's more teenagers then you should go to tiktok um well even though writing on tiktok is maybe not that not that great of an idea um because it's a very visual platform but you i hope you get the concept or i'm sure you get the concept so the question is what format do you enjoy what format does your target group consume and where can you actually reach your target group and when you've answered these questions then i'm sure that you already have your first science communication strategy out there now this is obviously only for people single people if you're in a research organization you should throw more pennies into the uh, <laughs> into the hut i don't know if that's a german and english thing in german we say something similar um so if you're a reading organization then i think you should come then you should provide content on all these different formats um, but then you also don't really have to think about what you're good at, but you're paying people to produce something. And then uh, I guess it's, it's yeah, you should be more inclusive because there is only so many people who read and there's so many people who love to watch videos. And if you only do one format, then you're definitely losing out on the other ones. But that can't really not be translated to single people because it's really easy to be overwhelmed, uh, especially when you're not... Um, doing science communication as your day-to-day full-time job. All right, Heba, I hope that helped a little bit. Um, yeah, let me know what you think. Okay, then we go now to the second person, and that is Lucas. Let's go. Hey, Julius, this is Lucas. Uh, first of all, I want to say thank you 
for all the great episodes of your science communication podcast, uh, all the great guests and topics you hosted and covered that really helped me a lot. <clears throat> and I would even say that changed the perspective of how, of how I see myself as a scientist within the science com community. Uh, so thank you. Uh, I'm looking forward to a lot more episodes, so I really hope you keep that up. And also thank you for the possibility of asking questions. Um, I have one question. So after all uh, the experiences you made as a science communicator and all the podcasts and guests you had, uh, is there anything you would definitely do differently than before, if you could name one thing? And if there is one thing, what would it be? Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to your answer. Uh, and of course, a lot more episodes. I wish you all the best for the next year. And yeah, keep it up. Thank you. Bye. What's up, Lucas? Thank you for this question. Yeah, well, <laughs> there's a lot of things that I learned. And I've talked about some of these in the podcast, but maybe I'll just take this really as an, uh, as an, as an opportunity to actually really talk about it. There's many things that I learned. For example, the, the biggest thing that probably I'm struggling with continuously is, is, is getting the expectations right. Because if you want to build a, a content empire and I want to build a content empire, and I, <laughs> okay, that sounds strange, but I really do, <laughs> um, then that doesn't happen overnight and you also really need resources for that. And I think it's really worth it to just start small and then eventually you can get broader because all the processes, everything you do, gets more automi automated or like at least you have more experience and then things get faster. But uh, yeah, for example, you know, I started one podcast and that's the Empower podcast. Uh, and then I started the second one and then I started the third one and I still feel now I feel overwhelmed sometimes because it's, it's quite a lot. But I would have never be, been able to start three podcasts from the get go from the beginning. Bam. It just doesn't work like that. But yet it's really important to set your expectations right, what is possible and also how many people do you want to reach. So now this podcast has about 4,200, 4,300 streams. Um, and that's based on 27 episodes, I think, more or less. And that's not great when you look at, um, when you would compare it to like these large podcasts that, uh, that are done by celebrities. But on the other hand, if you could also see many more, very, way more smaller uh, podcasts. So you always will find yourself somewhere in the middle. And the question is that uh, if you manage to actually put the expectation right and say, no, not the whole world is going to listen to me, but one is better than zero. And, you know, if you would ask me personally, I would actually do this if only 10 of you would listen to this and not several hundred people, which I feel super flattered that you actually do this because time is the most valuable thing that we have and you spend this time with this podcast i'm amazed by that okay you i hope you learn something but you know just this gratitude i think that's really that yeah that's really helpful when you when you do such an adventure or when you do such an endeavor because you know let's be real we will not be paid for science communication but yet i think it's really important to do it um and yeah coming back to this point is get the expectations right then you will not feel burned out because you don't expect crazy things to happen, just normal and good things to happen. Yeah, what else did I learn? Uh, there's, there's always room for improvement. Um, my third podcast, the Antonio Energy Transition podcast, I, last week I recorded another episode and I really wasn't really well prepared and we didn't really match. And, um, it, you know, it's an episode that I'm not super happy with, but also that happens. And maybe also coming back to this point of getting the expectations right, you can't expect that everything's going to be all right and every 
episode is going to be phenomenal. It's not going to be the same. It's not going to be the case. Um, but not judging yourself, I think, is really is really worth it. Is really good. Is really important to 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 expect that there will be mistakes and that you to expect that you will screw up sometimes. Um, is yeah. It's just a good attitude if if that works out. Because if you go into media production, if you go into content creation, however you might call it, you will fail, and I'm failing in front of you quite often or at least not failing maybe but like it's not perfect but maybe we should ex yeah put out a hashtag say happy to fail or happy to fail in front of you um that would probably release a bit of pressure and um, i think that is yeah it's good be 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 self-aware what um, what kind of content you want to create but also be really just happy and be great have gratitude of um that we're living on this planet and you get to produce this kind of content yeah all right lucas that's it for your question let me know what you think um, and now we go to simon simon let's go hi julius uh, my name is simon and i'm a phd student in physics at leibniz university hanover uh, i investigate the spontaneous emission dynamics of rare earth doped nanomaterials and aim to optimize them and their optical properties uh, some time ago, I was convinced by a former colleague, um, who's also a science communicator, uh, to post about my research uh, on LinkedIn. So I started um, posting about optical phenomena um, from my everyday life in the lab uh, using the hashtag OpticsNacks. So far, I have the feeling it's going quite well because I'm getting likes and comments and I have to admit that it feels good. But apart from that, I don't really understand why it's important to talk about my research on social media. Um, I don't understand why the world needs to know what I'm doing or what I'm working on. Um, and I also do not understand how it uh, could benefit my career to do so. Um, I'm more concerned that the risks of uh, doing science communication are much higher than the potential benefits. Hey, Simon, thanks for that question. First of all, I want to really congratulate you to actually get started. Um, which, which is amazing because there's so many people out there and I have friends and like I hear about it all the time it's like of people that don't want to get started because we are afraid of being judged by others and we don't want to be exposed we don't want to expose ourselves because there might be people who give us funky comments and um, so and that's super understandable and we are all vulnerable and I also have that part but you just didn't care and you just started and so that's really cool so congratulations to so that it's just that you just make it made it happen and you actually found a cool name these snacks that's like amazing so like i don't know if you had some support but this is already really good marketing um, so 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 that's really cool and the second thing is that it's really important to say is like you know no one has to communicate if this is not for you and if you're just doing it because your friend said that's cool then then that's that that's all right too you know but i heard in your voice as if it was a little bit of an, uh, surprising to you <laughs> that it actually feels good when people like something and that that they actually share it maybe or that they you know they like comment on your content on LinkedIn. So so that's awesome, man. If you if that gives you some kind of joy in this part of your brain where you feel joy, then that's awesome. So 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 that's cool. But I have three points that I want to bring here to you and maybe also some other people in the audience might be interested in that. Um, why it could be valuable to actually do science communication because I think this is one of your key questions that you 
um, that you that you raised in um, yeah in the in the file that people just listen to. So the first thing is that you know you're doing something very specific. It, I'm not sure if I really understood it, but you said spontaneous emission dynamics of rare earth doped nanomaterials. That sounds awesome. Sounds really detailed. Sounds really deep into physics stuff. And, you know, I guess it took you quite some time to go through your bachelor's and your master's and then study all these fancy things and then finding this topic that requires more thinking that you're looking at in, in, your, in your PhD right now. Just imagine that, that there's somebody out there, though, whose destiny is to study something similar and to understand something similar and by that provide society as we are with more knowledge of how to understand the systems that are around us. But this person cannot do this because they, they, he or she, doesn't have a role model and doesn't even know that this is something that's being researched on. You know, and just imagine that just because you are doing these science snacks, this person gets aware of these topics, starts researching the similar things, and then gets to enrich knowledge that we as society are using. Wouldn't that be a really cool thing? And that's just because of you. So wouldn't it be like obviously it's a rhetoric question but you know just imagine that you are capable of empowering this person to find their destiny and even contribute to society's um, well-being by creating knowledge and being able to understand the systems that surround us a bit a little bit more better i think that's an awesome thing um, and that's just because you might you know communicate the work that you do and it It, and yet it also may just help other people to stay curious because I think this research that you do and the research that many researchers amongst us do is that we, we open the doors to better understanding of life and of earth and of society and of us but we also nourish curiosity you know and if the stuff that you do nourishes the curiosity of someone who might become some something great someone great um, then like for me that would be awesome Uh, really great of a feeling and I, and I hope maybe also for you uh, but I think that's one of them that's at least one of my major um, reasons why I do science communication specifically uh, on, uh, on the topics of uh, energy of the energy transition because I feel it matters what we do because it, it can have an impact on the way how we shape our societies on the way how we live in our societies yet this is just the first reason Because there's another reason. And I think this other reason might be maybe more catchy on a personal basis. Because when you do these science communication snacks, these science snacks that you're doing, then what you're actually also doing is not just communicating really the content and the information and the, and the things that people might learn, but what you also do is actually building a personal brand. So obviously the question is like, why do I need a personal brand? But just think about it. Now you're a PhD student. Eventually you might be a postdoc and... The thing is with being a PhD student is that you kind of know what you're doing. You, your finances is most of the times, I'm not sure how, it is, how it's with you, but it's most of the times it's very secure for the, the number of years that you're doing the PhD. But after the PhD, you might find that there's something that you're really curious about and that you want to do research on. But you can't because there's no financing. So what you need is you need good collaborators and you need money. <laughs> and you get this money by... Yeah, finding good collaborators and writing good research proposals and then um, actually being, yeah, doing the stuff that you think is valid and important and necessary to, to be studied. And 
what you do when you put out these science communication snacks is that you're building your personal brand and people are aware of you. So they might actually ask you to be on their consortiums. And when you ask them, you, then they realize who you are and they're like, oh yeah, that's cool. You know, you could maybe compare it a little bit with, with, a, with a knife that goes through butter. I know this analogy doesn't really work, but just imagine it, you know, and there's just imagine that this, the, the butter just comes out of the, fr the fridge and the knife is cold. And then the butter is, yeah, like then when you, when you cut, want to cut the butter, it's really hard. And you have to, you know, in, in, if you translate that to our research life, you have to call someone 20 times and no one gives a, you know, don't really cares. But just imagine that this butter does not come out of the fridge because it's warmed up. And that, that, that's what you're doing when you're building a personal brand because you're, you're, you come into the brain of people again and again and again. And like that, you... You could say that you're warming up the butter and then imagine the knife that cuts through the butter. And that's the thing, same thing with the personal brand because you don't have to tell people what you're about because they already know you. They don't only know you, they also have built a relationship with you. And then the ones that like you, they are way more, e way more easier to convince to actually participate in writing a, a, pro a research proposal and maybe even getting the money and maybe... Yeah, you know, working with you, maybe even working for you. So next to this curiosity and empowering um, other parts of society to to make a good living on the earth, on earth, I think the second argument is also is really key because you are you are building a personal brand when you do that, and that makes other stuff way easier. And the third point that I want to raise here is that it seemed in your question that you actually kind of, there's part of you that kind of like it when there's getting some likes and some comments. And that's very, very normal. It's very natural. Like I have that all the time. And I'm not like, you know, it doesn't mean that we are driven by that or we just do it because we're like, we want the attention. No, but it feels good when people think it's relevant what we're doing and interact with us. So even if the first two reasons don't really resonate with you and that's fine, maybe the third one does and that's just, that it gives you joy and that this attention gives you joy and that's fine too. And then, so that could be a good reason. So, and then the last one is that, you know, you said, ah, I don't really know if I really want to share that stuff because it might be detrimental to my career. But the thing is that society doesn't, they don't really care about details. They care about what you're doing. They care about how that might, like how fancy and curious and like what, what the crap, what's going on. But the, what they also really care is how does that make their life better? Or they just want to, you know, brag about something that they know in front of their friends. So it's not really that you have to go through all the details and all the processes. But just, you know, talk about the stuff that you do and what implications that could have for other people on, on, on the planet. And, um, yeah, how you can actually make them more curious. I think curiosity really is key here. So, yeah, so... So I don't think you really have to worry about that. So I realize I, I talked quite a lot about this. Uh, however, <laughs> I hope that it helped you um, clearing up your mind. I would love to see more of your snacks. But on the other hand, if you don't like to do it, that's fine too. Because, you know, science communication should not never be a must, but should always be a want. Um, and so I wish you all the best to, to, get, yeah, to get the right decision in place. And let me know if I may support you on the way. And that also obviously goes to Lucas and to Heba. But now we come to our fourth guest, our fourth guest on the Ask Psychomax show. And that is Gianluigi. Let's kick it off, Gianluigi. Hello, my name is Gianluigi and I have a question for Julius. 
Would you consider a podcast that is not necessarily related to science research still a valuable piece of science communication? For instance, a podcast that still talks about science, but highlights and celebrates more the history, milestones of it, and its representation in STEM community? Thank you. What's up, Gianluigi? Thanks for your question for Ask Psychomax. So you asked whether a podcast that is not really about the research of a person specifically, is that if that's also a valuable uh, avenue for science communication altogether. And I think I want to start answering this question by introducing a differentiation that I've just recently heard, and that is the differentiation between a science communicator and a scientist communicator. A science communicator talks and makes knowledge available about topics that he or she has not done research about. And a scientist communicator is a researcher that really particularly talks about her or his specific research. And what you're suggesting here, this podcast, that how, do you call, how did you say it, that highlights and celebrates the milestone of science, that's a beautiful thing to do. And I think it totally connects and it totally fits into this science communicator uh, concept. And it doesn't need to be your stuff. It doesn't need to be your words and your research outputs and your results all the time. If you find scientific topics that you think are important and that you think that society could take advantage of, then just do a podcast about that. And it doesn't really, actually, it doesn't really matter what I think about it, because I think it in itself is an, a valuable avenue for 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 yeah for giving society the opportunity to actually learn and to to to, to develop themselves so um i think it's just great and i think it's really it's super valid to be a science communicator like my first podcast is the Empower podcast it's a german podcast about the german energy transition and all what my podcast partner marcus and i do and you maybe gotten to know marcus uh, around christmas he was also on this podcast when we talked about how to build a podcast. Um, so all we do is we ask other people for their research. And now in my third podcast, which is the Energy Transition podcast, I do the same. So I'm also just just in the science communication game and not in the scientist communication game. Yes, I do sometimes post about the stuff that I do research on myself and make videos about it. And then I would be a scientist communicator, but it doesn't matter. Um, if, if, if you feel comfortable as a science communicator or if you feel comfortable as a scientist communicator, for example, um, as, uh, as Simon is, both is fine. And so, Gianluigi, if you plan that podcast, and then please go ahead and let me know about it. And I'm going to like it on LinkedIn and Twitter and, and Instagram and wherever. And uh, just to it's so that you don't only highlight and celebrate the milestones of science, but that I highlight and celebrate your effort and uh, and your pr production and your output and your project. Yeah. Cool, everyone. So these were the four questions for today's episode of the Ask PsychomX episode within the PsychomX podcast. If you are interested to also get your questions, your science communication related questions answered here, please send me an email to julius at psychomax.com. Obviously, PsychomX with one M. And I have the feeling I have to repeat this all my life that I'm going to running that I'm going to run this podcast but anyway if you want to do that please don't hesitate send it to me and then in the next weeks you also be on the show and up until then I would be super flattered if you let one friend or one colleague know about this podcast 
And if you would, yeah, I don't know, interact with me on Twitter or on LinkedIn, I would be also super flattered. You find my contacts in the podcast show notes. That's it for today. Have a good week and uh, looking forward to have you tuning in for the next episode as well. Take care. Bye-bye.